Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. So we're continuing in our Acts series. It's our, our second part. We're doing chapters 13 through 28 uh, in Upside Down Part 2. Today we're going to be in chapter 16 as we look at Paul's second missionary trip that starts. Um, but before we, we get to that... Um, just a little bit of a background. Last week, we, we covered three chapters very quickly, and we saw at the end of it, uh, Paul and Barnabas had uh, a disagreement to the point where they broke up the band after the first missionary trip, and uh, uh, looks like a sad thing. It probably was a sad thing. I'm sure it wasn't God's uh, absolute highest for them, but God being a God who never loses and takes opportunity wherever, uh, we end up having two teams go out, uh, and then later on down the road, we see them reconcile at least uh, Paul and Mark did. Barnabas uh, gave his life for following Jesus uh, during that time. Um, but Paul um, gets together with Silas, and that kind of kicks us off into this second missionary trip as he and Silas uh, team up together. And they come up with this plan. They're going to go visit all the churches that have been established, all the community of believers, and, and uh, it's just going to be an amazing thing. And they lay out the, you know, they get the Google Maps out, and they get their Air, Airbnb reservations made, and, and they're like, man, we're just going to go on a walking tour, and, and they're, just, they're just excited about it. And so all the plans are made perfectly. And I would imagine Paul has it like, at this minute, we will get into this town. That's kind of, he's a Dave Zinnaker who arrives when he's supposed to arrive, uh, he's He's not like uh, Will, who's like, I'll arrive when I get there, uh, you know, whatever, you know. So you have your different uh, personalities, uh, even on the elder board. Um, but they made their plans, and they're set out. Um, and so today, we're going to look at, like Pastor Michael said in the, in the, in the video there, we're going to look at, no matter what, choose praise, because sometimes things don't go the way we think they should, we plan they should, or we want them to go uh, but I want to start off um, actually going back into the Old Testament for a moment here, looking at, at the life of Job. Um, and a lot of us know that story, probably most of us do, we've heard it, um, and we see really played out in his life, we see it played out in David's life, obviously Jesus' life, uh, and then what we see uh, in the book of Acts too, that, that at some points in our lives, uh, praise comes easily. And at other times, it's a real sacrifice. It's this painful offering to praise God in the midst of Job. Uh, if you know the story, right off, he, he finds out all my livestock and servants died horrifically. And then while he's trying to digest this news of losing all of these people and these resources, someone comes in and they're like, Job, a storm came and all your kids are dead. They're all gone. They died in one fell swoop of a, of a storm. And we read in verse 20 of chapter 1 of Job, that Job stood up, he tore his robe in grief. So he was really grieving. He wasn't faking this. Then he shaved his head. He fell to the ground to worship. And he said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I'll be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord where we get our big idea from Job, from Jesus, from Moses, from David, from Paul, that no matter what, we choose praise. There's actually a story about Jesus in, in uh, Luke chapter 17, a very famous story about him healing the 10 lepers. 
Um, and we read the story as Luke writes it, same author of Acts, by the way. Um, and actually, he joins them on this, this chapter we're in. Luke joins them during that, that missionary trip. But Luke writes this. He says, as Jesus continued toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So he's coming in. They're not allowed to be around people, and there's 10 of them. They've all got leprosy, and they see him. They know they can't go near him because it's against the rules, but they've got leprosy, and they're hopeless and helpless without him. So they're just crying out, Jesus, have mercy on us. Please do something. This is horrible, is what they're screaming, and they're yelling out. And Jesus looks at him and says, go show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. So they take him at his word. They still have it when he says go. They walk towards wherever the priests are going to be, and they look down and no more leprosy. One of them, out of the ten, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to this man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Here's my encouragement to us. Let's never live like those nine that just kept on going. They did what they were told to do, but they couldn't even stop and praise God for what he had done in their lives. That one that came back, I mean, he was loud in his praise. The, the actual uh, original wording that it was written in, the way he yelled out to Jesus means to me, it's the same word we get for a megaphone. So he megaphoned it. Praise you. He said it loud. It, we, we can praise him on the inside. We can thank him on the inside. But praising God in this way was megaphone it. So let's remember, yes, over there. Uh, he travels with me. Uh, uh, no. Uh, let's live lifestyles where we megaphone the praise of Jesus. In, in the moments like Job had to deal with, which are harsh, and in the moments like this leper, I mean, it couldn't get any better for him. It just couldn't. Not that moment, at least. No more leprosy. No more outcast. So, so why do I praise God? I mean, there's thousands of reasons that we praise God and we should praise God and we should live lifestyles of worship and, and megaphoning it to him. But I believe in the midst of what we're looking at in Acts 16 and in Job's life and, and in these lepers' lives, if you, if you ask, why do I praise God in those moments, I think there are three things that really stand out uh, to me. Number one, he's in control. Uh, sometimes I understand my circumstances and at other times, I am totally baffled. And I'm so glad that he always knows, he always understands, and he has never been baffled one time about what's going on in my life or in the life of my state or my nation or my, my world, that nothing baffles God. He's not like, I don't know what to do. He's always in control and knows what to do. Number two, God loves me, and he's concerned for me in the now, in the long run, 
and eternally. And he's going to do whatever is best for my maturity and growth and for him to get the glory in and from my life, no matter what it is I go through. What I'm going through might seem difficult. It might even feel unbearable to you and I at times. Yet Paul gives us this, this encouragement in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. He says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Now, your present troubles might not seem that way, but Paul is telling us the reality, seeming or, un, or whether it seems like it or, it's, or, it's, or you're okay with it, it, they're small in comparison to eternity, and they won't last very long. They're temporary. They produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things we cannot see, that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Paul's saying that what feels like something terrible can actually be something absolutely glorious. So praise God in the midst of it. Good, bad, ugly, middle of the road, praise God in the midst of it because he's doing something and he has a purpose and a plan for you and for others and ultimately for his glory to be seen through it all. No matter what, choose praise. The third reason that, that I praise God, especially in the midst of stuff, is that he's so much wiser than me. He knows what advances his good news. He knows what grows me into the very image of Jesus. And he knows what brings him the glory that is, that is due his name and the glory that, 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 that represents him so well and blesses other people and gives hope and, and life to other people. That's what we see play out in Acts chapter 16. So Paul and, and, and Silas, they decide to, to head out and visit some, some churches and some cities to encourage them and see how it's going. They hit a couple of cities and they meet Timothy and they bring Timothy on the team. Um, and they're like, travel with us. Oh, but first, before we walk miles and miles and miles, let's circumcise you, you young adult. And he didn't add any other men that we read about after that point. I don't know why, uh, but, but just imagine Timothy like, okay, and then we're going to walk. Okay, okay, but that's what happens, so it's there, yikes and all. Uh, they hit more cities and more churches. Things are going great. I mean, they're like having supper that night, hanging out at the, 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 the next Airbnb, and they're like, this plan we made is fantastic, y'all. Why don't we go to Asia next? Yeah. One minor? Problem, challenge, snafu is that God didn't have that as a part of their plan. Acts chapter 16, verses 6 and 7. We read this. Next, Paul and Silas travel through the area of Phrygia and Galatia. Just say it like you know it. That's what I'm, that's what I'm. Because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Okay, so one prevention. By the Holy Spirit. They couldn't go on their plan. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. We don't know 
how they were stopped, but God stopped them. Sometimes God will do that to us. He will just stop us in the midst of what looks like a fantastic plan that is going fantastically, that looks like it is only going to get better, and he stops us, and he says, I got something different. And in our minds, we're probably at first going, oh, this is such a great plan. And then secondly, we're like, well, then it's only going to get better. That's typically, that's what humans think. We make our plans as best we can. We present them to God, and we say, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm so excited to do it. And sometimes he says, nope, no. And it's not like, no, you imbecile, or no, you rebellious sinner. It's, no, I've, I've got something different. Maybe it's a spiritual leader or a mentor that, that comes and talks to you. Uh, maybe he says it in a prayer time. Maybe it's your parent. Maybe it's... Uh, a good friend, and they're like, hey, I was praying for you, and, and I know you planned this, but I just, I sense that there's something different. I don't think you're supposed to do that. So, so you are responsible for hearing from the Lord uh, in that, but you're also responsible for taking that and going, why does this spiritual leader, this spiritual mentor, or my mom or dad, or, or my really gl- close friend who loves you feel uneasy about this? And we present it back to the Lord. Maybe It's just this lack of peace in your soul, this uneasiness to follow through on a well-made plan. Back in, uh, I think it was 99, Sarah and I were living in Omaha, Nebraska, we were working at this place, and it wasn't quite working out the way the place originally said it would work out when they hired us. Anybody ever have that? Like, this is the way it's going to be, and then they hire you, and they're like, ha-ha, gotcha, Uh, you moved. (laughs) Uh, That's how it felt, Uh, and so we prayed, uh, and and it was really, it it was like, what what should we do? And we made plans to move back from Omaha to to Brenham, and, you know, I don't know much about Brenham, except it does have a little creamery that makes everybody happy, so I wasn't so sad about it, especially back in my ice cream days. Um, We had plans, and we had quit our job, and rented a place and, and had a job lined up. The van was loaded the morning of. The only thing left was a phone plugged in. Back in the old, there wasn't cell phones back then. Uh, or if they did have them, they were like this big thing that you dialed up NASA. Um, and we just felt like we're not supposed to go. But how do you not go when the van is packed? It's the whole, like it's all, our life is in there. And we were just like sitting around on the floor because there's no furniture. And it was like, well, I think we're not supposed to go. But like we made plans and we made commitments and we paid money for deposits on a place to live. And like, well, I don't know what to do. And the Lord just very clearly said, call and get your old job back. And I'm like, that's awkward. And we did. And they're like, we'd love it. And, and he just changed our plans now, I had some thoughts to give to him, like, why didn't you just do this before? But I don't know. Maybe it was obedience. Maybe it was the, 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 the deep trust in his new thing. I don't know. But he had us stay. And here's the crazy thing. That, that change led to some cool things there and led to some horrible things there. And then it led us to this ministry opportunity a couple of years later in Georgia and those Georgia years were awful. They actually led us to the most broken time in our lives and in our marriage. 
So God changed our well-made plans to have us stay there, and it still was hard at times. And then he had us from there move to Georgia where it got worse. And it makes you ask the question, what kind of God does that? A God that sees the bigger picture and has more in mind for what he wants to do. It seems like a weird thing for God to do. And we see in, in the book of Acts in chapter 16, starting in verse 9, that, that, that God's interruption to them following their plans has them go to Philippi, and this leads to salvations and, and church planting and demonic opposition and attacks from people and demons. And then we see the story of them being, being beaten and put in prison in verses 22 through 34. This is what we read. He, so this, if you, if, you know, if you don't know the story real quickly, there's this one girl who's uh, possessed by a demon and she just keeps harassing him finally after days. Paul's like, done with her voice. Demon come out, the demon comes out and everybody gets mad because uh, their moneymaker's gone. So that's kind of the, a little part of the story. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted, stop, don't kill yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon. He fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him. And with all who lived in his household, even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them. He and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Amen. Chained up in that horrific Roman way. If you, if you know anything about the way they were like pros at torture. So they were already beaten. So they get shoved up against this inner dungeon wall with your bloody back, and then your legs are spread out as far as they can go, maybe even trying to pop them out of joint, and you're locked, clamped down, and then you're clamped and chained against the wall, and you're just left there to, to endure it as much as you can until they decide what they're going to do with you. So all that's happening, and we see the real test of their faith comes into play in that moment, how they respond is, is what was on display to be seen, to be heard. They don't fight the law. They don't grumble. They didn't even question God's plans, according to what, what's written here. In the darkness, in the sadness, in the misery and pain of that moment and the, the unknown to come. 
Because it wasn't just the misery and the pain they were literally going through. They didn't know what was coming. Paul and Silas did what no one on the planet would ever expect them to do. They chose to pray and sing to God. They praised God no matter what. They praised God in the midst of that. They lived out what Psalm 42, verse 8, told them to do. Each day, the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. This type of response from them probably seemed odd to the other prisoners, but we do see that it drew their attention, right? They, there was something powerful in the simplicity of two guys praising God out loud in the midst of it all. And I would bet that jailer who did wake up probably, it probably wasn't one song. It was probably a lifestyle in the night that they were living out. He probably saw that spirit, heard that come from them, recognized they were tuned into something different than what all humans were dealing with in life. It obviously affected him to the point where he asked immediately, how can I be like you? How can I be saved and look at life that way? There's a lost world all around us that watches and listens to us. They see us when things go well, and they see us when they don't, and they're paying attention because we've got the, the, the light of all eternity in us, the, the life, the resurrection life exists in us, the spirit of the living God whose home for eternity has been heaven now resides in here. So the world notices there's something different from you. So when you go through stuff, they watch you and they listen to you. And when they see you giving praise to God, even in the difficult circumstances, even when your heart is broken, it opens up a, a door for a Jesus moment for a Jesus opportunity to happen in their hearts. So I truly believe that the Holy Spirit's goal for us is that we would see that Jesus is always and in every moment worthy of our praise and our adoration. At some points in our lives, praise comes easily. At other times, it's a real sacrifice and a painful offering that we give but praise God no matter what. That most broken time for, for Sarah and, and, and me, uh, that, that, that God led us to, also led us to the greatest healing and freedom moment ever. There were people who not only were used to, to rescue us and set us free and teach us things we did not know, but then they helped us to, to grow and mature and disciple to be able to give that same hope and freedom and life away to other people. It never would have happened if we'd have gone to Brenham. I mean, I, I know God still would have pursued us, but that story would not have played out the same way had I said, nope, the plans are the plans. You sanctioned them when I prayed last week, so I'm going. When God arrested us in the moment, as immature as we may have been, we listened. And, and I'm sure along the way, we lamented his change of plans at times. Why did you keep us here? 
Why did you send us there? The change plans ended up being about a five-year journey of, of ups and downs to arrive at healed hearts, convinced of God's desire that everyone on the planet be set free. So did I always perfectly praise him in the midst of it all? No. Was God always faithful to show who he is and walk me along and mature me and shape me, teaching me how to give praise and thank him? Yes, always, always faithful. He cannot be unfaithful. He just can't. He can't even be considered, like, it can't even be like, God, do you think you'll ever be unfaithful? He's like, question can't be asked. It doesn't make sense. Like, he cannot be unfaithful in any way. And here's the bigger win I saw as time played out over the years after that. As struggles and challenges came, even as character assault happened over the years, I could praise God no matter what because I, he taught me that he's worthy of it and it's best for me and incredibly good for the world around me. I learned how, and he didn't owe it to me, but he convinced me that he was worthy of my worship and my praise. Don't just praise God when things go right and well. Be singing before that part plays out. Be singing in the midst of the broken times. Choose praise no matter what. The sweetest and most powerful praises are those songs that we sing in the dark times. When you can say, like Job, man, blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and takes away, but he's worthy of my praise. When you can say that, that's the most powerful praise. That speaks a word that all the, 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 the wonderful theology in the world can't get across to people. That, that speaks a word that, that all the, the Bible study in the world uh, cannot compare to because it speaks to the goodness and the greatness and the love of God for you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm praising you now, and I'm going to praise you when it gets brighter. And if it gets darker, I'm going to praise you even louder. And if an earthquake sets me free, praise God. If it doesn't, praise God. When I lose myself in the wonder of God's goodness, and that is what I focus on as I outwardly praise him, my perspective shifts. God seems greater and my struggles seem smaller. And here's the thing. It might not be a story like Job. Or Paul, you might not be, have lost everything or be locked up in prison. It might just be, I don't know how to do this. Like maybe you have young kids and you're like, I don't know how we're going to survive having young kids. God, I just need you. It's exhausting. It's, it's unknown to you how you're going to make it through. And then you look forward at other people you know and you're like, and then when they, they grow up, how do I raise them? To, to know you and make wise decisions and how do I not wreck them along the way and then, and then how do I help them when they start to have their own thoughts and attitudes? Like it seems, it seems horrible to think because the world is so broken. How do I do this? And he says, praise me and I will show you things you do not know now. I will teach you 
I will bring people to, to shore you up and encourage you. I gave you those kids because you're the best on the planet for raising them. Or Lord, Lord, how, do, how does our company survive this? And he's like, praise me. And on paper, on a strategy plan, uh, you know, as something maybe you're presenting to the bank, praising God doesn't really work for them or for that. But he says, praise me, and I will show you, and I will favor you. And even if it gets darker, I am here, and I'm up to something. Praise God in the blessing, and praise God in the troubled times. Praise God in what you know, and what you know is working well. And praise God in what is unknown, and you don't know how to do it. Praise God in the old things that are, that are, that are rolling along fine and, and praise God in the new things that they still have question marks at the end of the, the sentence. Maybe life has played out differently than you expected or wanted. You had other plans or other desires and God changed things. He has purposes in those things that he changes. You might see it. You might... You might never know anything about it. You might get a glimpse of, of what he's up to. But God knows, and he's worthy of our praise, no matter what. We're going to take communion in just a little bit, and we're going to, during this next song, we're actually going to uh, hand out the communion elements. Um, and so as you, as you get those communion elements, just hang on to them, and then Josh will lead us into it at the end of the song. But I want to read a passage from from 1 Peter chapter 3 as we go into this, this time of communion. And then we're going to just continue to, to sing for a couple songs after that. And, and I just encourage you, after you take communion, after you turn your attention to, to him and thank him for all he's done, after you, after you spend some time remembering his body broken for you and his blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sins, that, that you then in those other songs that you just take some time and you go, Lord, where am I not praising you in the midst of? Or Lord, where would you have me to begin to praise you? My logic says don't because it makes no sense, but, but you say always, so help me to, to step into that. Maybe it is going to be a sacrifice for you to offer that praise, but praise him. It might be a marriage, it might be a child, it might be a parent, it might be a job. It might be big decisions, it might be finances, and you're like, it doesn't look praiseworthy, but you always look praiseworthy. And, and maybe make this commitment for the first time in the midst of this to be a, a megaphoner. God, I'm just going to start to megaphone my praise. I'm, I'm going to start to just make it, make it out loud. Praise is actually something that has to be out loud. Praise is not something that's inward. That, that's worship or singing or contemplation or meditation. Those are fantastic too. Praise is outward. We praise someone, we tell them, or we talk about them in a good way. So where do you need to praise? Uh, I'm gonna ask you to stand right now. And, and like I said, in a moment, we'll hand out the elements. But this passage that Peter writes in, second, in 1 Peter 3, he writes this very succinctly, this moment that we're remembering today. Jesus suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. He died for you, and now you get to live for him. 
for his glory, which is going to be for your good and the good of other people. So if you're a believer in Jesus, in a moment, take communion with us. During this song, as the elements are handed out, if you need to deal with anything in your heart, just take inventory of your heart. Ask God, you need to show me anything. Ask him to reveal something to you if you need to take care of it with him. And do that during this song. And then, then like I said, Josh will lead us in worship together. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I'm letting you know. He says, just like the jailer did, uh, all you have to do is believe in the name of the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You do that now and then take communion with us. Lord, we give you this time. I thank you for uh, the reality that you're worthy of our praise no matter what. And I thank you for what you did on the cross for us. You are our substitution. You took on the sins of all mankind for all time, one time, so that we could be saved, forgiven, and given eternal life. So we praise you and thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. For more messages and full services, visit hcfburnit.org or the Church Center app and connect with us on social media.